Welcome to the Gigabyte Weekly Podcast. This week's episode is on DeFi or decentralized finance. We're going to be giving you kind of the basics of DeFi, why it's important, and some applications within it. Enjoy. And we're back. James, of course, I'm joined by you, the one and only. How are you? Doing great, Sam. Great to be back here for episode nine already. Yeah, no, um, it's flown by, I think. Um, so like I said in the intro, we're going to be talking about DeFi, and we'll get into a little bit about that. Just last week, we talked about the political orientation and the political side of crypto. Would you say before we even go into things, this is kind of related? It's like a bit of a theme? Yeah, I mean, I'd say at first glance, our listeners might think, hang on, what does DeFi and politics have in common? But I think by the end of this podcast, they're going to be thinking more along the lines of actually, there's a bit of a relationship here. There's a bit of correlation. And, you know, that's, I suppose, what we're going to go down as well. Yeah, okay. So we'll just take a step back here. So, James, let's go to the basics of it, as we always like to do. You know, we like to break down complicated topics and ideas and make it, you know, easily digestible for anyone who's maybe not interested in crypto or, well, I'd hope you're interested by now, but at least maybe not uh, is easily understanding of it all. So, James, what is DeFi? Yes, yeah, so Sam, to break it down for you, DeFi as everyone probably knows, it stands for decentralized finance. And what that really is, is it's personal finance and banking put on the blockchain. So in the regular world, dominated by fiat money, we have centralized finance, which would, you know, here in Ireland is Bank of Ireland, the Central Bank of Ireland, um, AIB, you know, all the big branch banks. And then in the DeFi world, there is no geo like geological boundaries to us. There is just, you know, your swapping protocols, Uniswap, PancakeSwap. Um, and yeah, you know, we could argue that there is kind of similarities between them, but if I can talk about kind of just the main aspects of DeFi, you know, it's lending and staking. They're the two big things. Okay, so I think we're going a little bit ahead there. We're just jumping. I know you're enthusiastic. About Sorry about that. that. I always do that. So why do we think is there actually a need for decentralized finance? What's wrong with finance as it is now? Yeah, well, Sam, I'm going to ask you, actually, I'm going to ask you a question. You're a history buff, aren't you? would say so and you probably are aware of what happened in kind of 08 09 i mean it was a what we would call a top-down recession so the institutions at the top the banks the pension funds everything got over leveraged crashed and then that trickled down into society but the cause of that was the banks giving out money to people who were just not going to pay back that's i mean that is really what caused the kind of the global meltdown and that's where we need DeFi. Because if we really trusted centralized finance, and if it really worked all the time, there would be no DeFi. I mean, many would argue there wouldn't even be Bitcoin. Bitcoin is, Bitcoin spawned from the 08 crisis. So, I mean, you could argue that the existence of DeFi alone is enough to prove that we kind of need it. So you're saying like the lack of trust that individuals have in these institutions like banks and even governments maybe, just central authorities as a whole, is the justification for the creation of DeFi. I say it's the justification, but it's also just the negligence that banks have towards their customers as well. I mean, if I was to deposit my life savings in, I'm just going to stay at home here, Bank of Ireland, I'm earning, what, 0.3% interest? Whereas Bank of Ireland are lending me that money back at 3% interest. You know, it's like, they don't seem, like they do care about their customers, but they don't seem to really care. And they certainly don't care about the, about, you know, paying their customers the fair share of the revenue they're bringing to the bank. Whereas in DeFi, it's the complete, it's the complete opposite. I can decide how much interest I want to be paid based on the, the, the protocol I go with and based on the kind of the decentralized application I decide to use for my kind of personal finances. 
Okay, so DeFi then kind of empowers people, like all of crypto, like you said, I think the Bitcoin comparison was really interesting. Like it is just taking, it's decentralized everything, right? It's on the blockchain, because we haven't stated that. I think it's kind of a given with most of these podcasts, we're going to be talking about things that are on the blockchain. But it, it kind of, it's an egalitarian kind of, um, almost democratic tool, I think, you know? It takes finance and like access, accessibility to the, the upper echelons of it, out of the hands of the 1%, out of the hands of the banks, the other central authorities, I would throw governments in on this as well, and into the hands of the people. You know, if it's decentralized, no one controls it, no one can stop you from getting access to your fair share. So then, James, moving on then to applications within DeFi, okay? So, you know, why is it useful? In what circumstances would the everyday person kind of come across it? Um, So, go on, tell me about lending and borrowing for starting. Yeah, the lending and borrowing side is great because it allows the user to be both the saver and the bank. And, you know, if we can take that back to what you said in the previous podcast, you know, blockchain allows the individuals to be both the bank and the mint. It's kind of the same thing. So with the lending and borrowing side, if I have, let's say, you know, again, $10,000 or euros um, of crypto, I can lend that out to individuals on a on a term that i choose so i can decide the fixed length of it i can decide if it's kind of if if the the borrower has the right to extend that length i can decide the interest rate i can decide if it's paid literally daily weekly monthly yearly i mean there's so much you control you control everything whereas in centralized finance i have no control pretty much every single bank offers the exact same interest rate offers the exact same kind of terms when it when it goes to lending so i mean really it, it brings the power back to the user and that is really what DeFi is about taking power away from the centralized authority and cr- making it decentralized you know no one has the power in blockchain to directly influence the blockchain you know you need 51 percent support to do anything manipulative really on the blockchain Okay, and I think that's definitely one of the key applications of decentralized finance as a whole. You know, it's kind of it like lending and borrowing is kind of a lot of what banks do. It's what the core of banking, I would say. And like, if you can do banking, you know, partake in banking without going through a bank, like by going through DeFi, I think you're you're onto a winning solution there. So then, James, tell me about some of the other ones. And you know, that kind of makes sense. I think everyone knows how banks work at this point, at least on a, a, a small level. Tell me about in within crypto how DeFi can be can be good. You know, decentralized exchanges, for example. Yeah, I mean, in crypto they're known as DEXs, but um, just so everyone is aware, you know, the household names in in crypto. I mean, if I can take a guess, it's probably Binance and Coinbase. Everybody knows Coinbase. They went public last year. Or was it, sorry, was it this year? Um, and at a humongous valuation, everyone heard of it, it was all over the news, but they're what we call centralized exchanges where you have a CEO, you have employees, you know, they are custodian wallets. I don't have access to the private keys of my wallet when I keep my money in Coinbase. Therefore, if Coinbase goes bust, so does all my money in Coinbase. There's no way of getting it back because Coinbase don't let me take control of my money. So really, you know, there's a saying, not your keys, not your money in crypto, but, um, they're what we call centralized exchanges, and they're the ones that we hear of the big hacks. So, you know, obviously the famous one is Mt. Gox, where it was like 600,000 Bitcoins were taken in a series of hacks. That wouldn't happen in a decentralized exchange, which um, is what powers DeFi. So the two big ones are really Uniswap and PancakeSwap. Uniswap 
operates on the Ethereum blockchain. PancakeSwap operates on the Binance Smart Chain, which is actually, it is a version of the Ethereum blockchain, but that's kind of, we can talk about that in a whole separate podcast. Um, how they work is there's no central body, there's no central authority, there's no, really there is no employees, there's no CEO. The blockchain powers it, the users of the blockchain. So, you know, each of these exchanges has their own unique kind of token. So in Uniswap's case, it's the Uniswap token. And in PancakeSwap's case, it's called Cake. And as people buy those tokens and hold them and stake them, you're actually providing greater security for these protocols. And these are what you call decentralized applications. So all decentralized exchanges are decentralized applications built on a blockchain. Okay, wow, that's that's an information overload there. Okay, so that is that the DEXs, right, or decentralized exchanges. And I like that you went into kind of why centralized exchanges aren't really overall the best thing. You know, it's not your keys, not your crypto, right? And even just to plug ourselves here, that's kind of some of what we do, you know? Like uh, most, the average consumer in crypto will hold their, their keys, their crypto in these centralized exchanges. And, you know, we do see time and time again that these these companies do... They partake in some evil activities, you know, and they're maybe just not the best place. So that's kind of what we do. We can secure them offline off any sort of website in cold storage wallets. And, you know, it adds a lot of security. Can I just say as well, Sam, we actually go a step further and we use something called cold storage. Um, you know, we keep our private keys completely offline on these little devices called Trezors. And these Trezors, what they do is they they allow the Trezor to talk to the computer, but the computer cannot talk to the Trezor. So the, commu- the computer cannot send any malware onto the Trezor. So it's kind of like a one-way information flow, which just takes the security a step further because in crypto, security is your number one best friend. Yeah, and that's the shameless plug done for the episode. I think we'll go on then to like what I would say is the final kind of topic of discussion in terms of applications of DeFi that we said we'd talk about, which are stable coins. So can you, we've talked and we've mentioned stablecoins before. You know, if you remember our episode on Tether, we talked about USDT, and that's a pretty bad example of stablecoin. But James, what are stablecoins in general? Are they decentralized? What are the advantages? Yeah, so I mean, stablecoins, they are decentralized because they're built on the blockchain. But as you're, I mean, you're definitely aware of it, Sam, they're not all built the same. And especially, tre- um, not Trezor, sorry, Tether. So USDT, that would be kind of what, you know, Gigabyte has a stance, we just don't hold Tether. We don't use Tether for any of our swaps or anything. And that's really because of the shady history with the company. But again, you know, we made a whole separate podcast on that. But yeah, so stable coins are a coin pegged to a stable asset. That's really what the definition is. So that can be gold, silver, fiat currency. I mean, you can go a step further and you can even say you can get, you know, coins that are pegged to the value of certain stocks, which is why, you know, exchanges such as FTX allow you to trade Tesla. It's like you're not trading Tesla, you're trading a coin that is linked to the price of Tesla. But anyway, the stable coins allow you to take a risk off approach with DeFi. So generally speaking, the value of a stable coin will never fluctuate more than, I'm going to say, 1% of the assets it's, of the asset it's pegged to. That's, and that's because the stable coins always have a really, really powerful complex algorithm minting, buying back coins in order to keep the value at that kind of what we would say one dollar, one euro stance because that's what the average stable coin is pegged to, the euro or the dollar. So, I mean, just to give an example, I can stake USDC, which is the circle-made circle, circle made stable coin that, pack, that backs the dollar on, I believe it's PancakeSwap I can stake it on, and I can earn myself an interest of about 5% a year. 
um, which might not seem like a lot, you know, for every 100 euro you stake, you're only earning five euro. But I mean, the power of compound interest means that over time, your money is going to keep on working harder and your rewards are going to keep on going up. But what it also means is I can get a fair interest rate compared to a bank where I'm going to be earning not absolutely nothing, but pretty much absolutely nothing. I mean, if you round up your rewards, it's basically just 100, 100 euro after year one. You, you, I think you want a 30 cent, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it is ridiculous. Like when you when you kind of when you come into the know of of crypto, even just advanced finance of any kind, you kind of realize how much the banks are screwing you, right? What they're making versus what you're being rewarded or earning is ridiculous, especially when you start learning about staking and yield farming. All these things within crypto that you can earn passive interest on and like you said with the power of compound interest, you can be in quite a, like 20 years down the line if you just put in however meant money now and then just leave it don't look at it you're in a much better position chances are down the line just one quick question there sam you mentioned in a previous podcast that you stay cake on PancakeSoft. you know do you want to just let us know what your interest per year is again so i stay cake just personally uh, i have a small holdings in it and the the apy the the interest that you earn on it when i started staking and it does fluctuate was about 90 percent yeah i mean it's it's unbelievable returns especially when you think that the future potential for that token and pancake swap is unbelievable as well yeah i mean decentralized exchanges are the future you know and we did see coinbase you know if they took a win centralized exchanges have been doing well coinbase like you said went public but there will always be a need and a want for decentralized exchanges people will feel more safe and more secure with them and, you know, that's why, you know, again, another shameless plug, I'm sorry, Gigabyte actually holds cake. You know, we, we believe long term in, in the project. Um, OK, so I think we can move off from stable coins there. You know, we've talked about it a good bit and we probably will come back to it because stable coins are, do play like an integral role to crypto and everything that we, we speak about. You know, they're, they're quite relevant. And we'll move on to somewhat of a conclusion here and we'll say, what do we think the future holds for DeFi? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a healthy future, Sam. I really do. I think that DeFi is going to be one of the fastest growing sectors of crypto. And I believe that the total value locked in DeFi exchanges through staking is roughly about 30 billion now. And when you compare that to, you know, bank accounts around the world, I mean, here in Ireland, we have over 100 billion euro just sitting in deposit accounts earning virtually nothing. The potential is so high because you don't have to be, you know, not that, you know, you don't have to be a crypto nerd really to see the potential there, you know. If you are an individual with a savings account, DeFi is there for you. You can earn yourself a better reward. You can make your money work for you. And I know everybody always says this all the time, but nobody ever got rich just saving money. You have to make your money go and work for you. That's why people always tell you to invest your money, make your money, make you more money. Yeah, and just then, like in in general, just on the future, I, I agree. I think DeFi has a bright future out of it, and I don't think I think no matter what happens, even regulatory, you know, it's it's impossible to outright ban it. First of all, so it'll survive that. Obviously, it will take a hit if all global governments came together and banned it. But I think there will always be a need for it. You know, it it'll always exist. And personally, the way I see it going, I see DeFi having an explosion in growth in the next couple of years. And as crypto regulation comes down the line, which it is coming, no one in crypto wants to talk about that. But it it has to come. Everything will, all financial instruments will be regulated, and it needs to be regulated. It's a good thing. I think we'll see a hybrid world of regulated DeFi, and you know, maybe that's. Uh, 
that maybe that doesn't make sense as such because how can you regulate something that's decentralized because regulation is centralized but i think that's the only compromise that can exist you know there will be aspects of DeFi in the everyday world but it'll be a little bit more regulated the government can pull back a little bit of power as they like to do. But I think uh, I think we've kind of covered everything within DeFi there, James. Do you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, I might just ask you a quick question, Sam, and I know we started this podcast off with this, but do you like do you see a correlation between what we're talking about here and, you know, our previous podcast on the political orientation of crypto? Like do you see a connection between DeFi and politics really? Yeah, I think DeFi is pretty much kind of exactly what I was talking about last week in terms of anything decentralized is inherently libertarian technology, you know, because it's taking centralized power away and distributing amongst the people, similar to how finance or crypto on the blockchain is distributed amongst everyone, you know, on the ledger. I, th- I see DeFi being the ultimate goal for anyone that doesn't trust any institutions. And I think, you know, you know, when you think libertarian, maybe most people today would think crazy Americans that want to storm the Capitol building. That's not what libertarian is. libertarianism is in its purest, truest form in the same way that communist Russia, the Soviet Union, wasn't what communism was in its truest form. You see, we see bad examples of all the time. And I had actually someone bring this up to me after last week's episode they, saying this. Um... Yeah, I see I see DeFi being anyone that doesn't trust an institution, DeFi is for you. And if you think, oh, the only crazies will do that, you shouldn't trust institutions. You should not blindly trust or follow anything in the same way. You shouldn't just listen to this podcast and accept everything is true. Do your own research. Don't take everything at face value. You know, like everyone knows banking is is it's a immoral industry you have to be careful of it you know you have to be aware of the risks involved in banking and DeFi solves this i think i would completely agree with what you said there sam i think you know obviously politics is your expertise really but you know just listening to you there i can really see that there is such a connection i mean banking is politics really bankers and politicians they're not that different because they make decisions that influence people that's really what a politician's job is and you know when you take DeFi, which is which is a direct competitor and in my opinion a much better version of banking you're going to have politics play with it you're going to have politicians attack it support it whatever it may be it doesn't really matter because like what you said the decentralized nature of it means that you can't outright ban DeFi because nobody has that power you have to turn off the entire mining network or staking network, which, I mean, at this rate, you just have to turn off the world's Wi-Fi because it's everywhere. It's on every... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an assumption here, but I would say almost every country in the world has, you know, a node in it, a mine. I mean, obviously, when you look at, like, Antarctica, those places, fair enough. But anywhere with a global kind of population, it's going to... Crypto is going to be kind of an influence there. Yeah, I think and in, in, at least in, amongst the developing countries of the world, you see um, you see a presence with crypto that will only grow and that will expand, of course, to DeFi. I think we'll leave the podcast there. You know, we've covered everything to do with DeFi in this episode. You know, and you can find more on online. Of course, we can link some good resources, and without a doubt, we will be coming back to DeFi in some capacity because DeFi is not going anywhere. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'd like to thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the Gigabyte Weekly. And, you know, I know you've heard me say it before, but episode nine, you know, we've been doing this for over two months now. And again, 
it's great to see everyone support us continue to listen to us check out our, you know you're all checking out our social medias our website you know it just continuously makes us want to keep on doing this do better you know expanding the whole gigabyte ecosystem and as i always say if you like what you heard we actually published a blog on this kind of in mid-august titled DeFi: the future of personal finance and we talked about a couple of things in that blog that we referenced here so if you want to learn more check that out also just do your own research when it comes to DeFi because the potential is so big. I mean, this is there's no aspect of crypto which can influence the, the amount of people that DeFi can influence. And yeah, you know, if you're interested, obviously our website's gigabyteinvestment.com and we post all our blogs there. Also, we, we share them on our Twitter at Gigabyte Invest, also on our LinkedIn at Gigabyte Investment. So yeah, catch you guys next week.